Hello and welcome to episode 4 of Fascinated by Ghost. Uh, today I thought we'd take a slight detour from the ghosts and go more of a lure direction. Um, as you may know from the first episode, I'm really interested in kind of the lore stories and history associated with um, these kind of paranormal activities. And um, probably because of being a kid and watching The Blair Witch, I'm always fascinated by uh, the lure of, of, of witch stories. Um, and I actually found one in Essex, which I've never heard of before, so I thought I'd share it on today's uh, episode called The Bizarre Story of the Witch of Scrapfaggot Green. Great Lees in Essex has acquired a reputation as a haunted village. This is due to ghost stories told about Sir Anne's Castle, a local pub, and the witch of Scrapfaggot Green, whose spirit was alleged to have terrorised the area during World War II. According to articles in the Sunday Pictorial of the 8th and the 15th of October 1944, the village of Great Lees, Essex, was being played by nocturnal accidents to livestock, tools scattered, bells ringing, etc. They said it was because bulldozers widening a lane to a military base had pushed aside a boulder at a crossroads called Scrapfaggot Green, a boulder covering the remains of a witch together with the fire that burnt her. The Sir Anne's Castle stands prominently on Main Road, the village's principal street, en route from Chelmsford to Braintree. Philip Morant's History of Essex, 1768, says the building was once a medieval hermitage and became an alehouse in the Elizabethan era. The name Scrapfagger invites puns. There are historical records of a witchcraft case at nearby Borum, and there seems to have been a witch stone around in the 1930s, even though not the crossroads. Since the 1980s, a stone outside a pub in Great Lees is claimed to be the original, supposedly brought there in 1945. In October 1944, the Sunday Pictorial, a sister newspaper to the Daily Mirror, ran an article with the headline, The Witch Walks at Scrapfagger Green. Arthur Sykes, who was now an ARP warden, said, Every day I hear of new mischief. Three geese had disappeared from a pen in his back garden. A haystack had collapsed. Alfred Quilter, a local shepherd, found his sheep had moved from their field to another paddock. Yet the surrounding hedges and fences were all undamaged. Charlie Dixon, a builder, said heavy scaffolding poles were scattered in his yard like matchsticks. The clock on the church tower had been running two hours late and striking at midnight despite being fitted with devices to prevent it chiming at night. Also, there were strange happenings at the Dog and Gun, a pub on the Boreham Road, 2.5 miles south of St Anne's Castle. Paint pots and brushes vanished from outside and were found neatly lined up under a bed in an attic. When some regulars were leaving one night, they nearly fell over a boulder that had seemingly materialised less than five feet from the door of the pub. Arthur Sykes said that 200 years previously, a witch had been burnt at the stake at a crossroads near the dog and gun, and her remains buried beneath a stone. Ever since, the spot had been known as Scrapfaggot Green. When Borum Air Base was built, the stone had been moved, thus releasing the witch's spirit. The villagers declare that their misfortunes dated from the day when American bulldozers widened the road at Scrapfaggot Green, the centre of the village. 
thus displacing a two-ton stone that marked the remains of a 17th century witch who had been buried with a stake through her chest at the crossroads there. Now she was terrorising the area, even moving her stone to the dog and gun. The News Chronicle reported that some villagers had mounted nighttime patrols to catch the culprit. The US magazine Time reported the story, saying that the morning after the stone was replaced, it had been moved again with a message on it saying, None in some, Latin for not here or nobody home. Two weeks later, in the evening news, they said that the flowers had been placed on the stone. Meanwhile, the Sunday pictorial contacted the celebrated psychic researcher Harry Price, whose best-known investigation at Borley Rectory had resulted in his 1940 book, The Most Haunted House in England. Price, Arthur Sykes, and the Sunday pictorial reporters decided to lay the witch's spirit to rest by returning the stone from the Dogland gun to her grave at Scrap Faggot Green. However, before they could do so, another farmer found rabbits in his chicken coop. Then Price told the villagers that if they believed the witch to be responsible for their troubles, the logical thing to do was to restore her tombstone to its original site. This they did, ceremonially, at midnight on October the 11th to the 12th, 1944, placing the stone east and west in the traditional manner. The phenomena ceased. find it really interesting finding a story about a witch uh, in England that's from the 1940s especially during World War Two. I think most of the witch stories you hear are you know 17th century or uh, same Salem in America but obviously here Manantry uh, the witch finder general um, but to hear one that's kind of not that that long ago really in in the time of history um during the second world war was that's what kind of piqued my interest in the story and it is an interesting story of the idea of this this uh burial ground being moved and, and that upsetting the witch and the witch breaking out and then more kind of mayhem happening around the village and when you think about the time of the second world war you know logically you'd think okay well maybe this is just uh you know people are just kind of coming up with these these are uh, things and they're thinking it's it's a it's a curse when really it's just someone who's having a prank around town but during those that period of time especially when a war's going on people wouldn't have been pranking as much it's it kind of you know a somber time um and it is it is interesting to kind of hear that story and how so many people were convinced that it was a witch and that it was linked to all of that um, whilst going through quite real, you know, trauma in real life through the war. Um, it's a really interesting story and, and something that I'm glad I managed to find. Uh, I'd be interested to find more similar stories to that.
So I managed to find an actual news article of uh, the Scrap Faggot Green Witch, the Witch of Scrap Faggot Green, as they state, um, in October 1944 in the Sunday Pictorial newspaper. And I'm looking at the picture now, and it's kind of um, kind of what you can imagine. It's a very picturesque village. You've got uh, it's kind of houses, kind of look like cottages, and a church by in the picture, uh, and then underneath in the big uh, heading. The Witch Walks at Scrap Faggot Green. And a little intro on the news article. This is an amazing story reported yesterday from the heart of rural England, 1944. Can you believe it? That's why I love looking back at this. Even in 1944, they're saying, can you believe that we're reporting a story about a witch uh, and, and some uh, witchcraft that's going on around in the village? Because it, it wasn't something that was being done, uh, especially in England. Queer things are happening in the remote Essex village of Great Leeds. Strange things that seem to defy any normal explanation. Along its straggling lanes and among its scattered cottages, the villagers will tell you great stones are moved mysteriously, straw ricks are overturned, and windless nights, sheep stray through unbroken hedges, the church bells ring at odd hours. (laughs) Um, And I just love that kind of news article. I want to see if I can find any more of it uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll uh, get back to you after this. This is getting interesting. Uh, I managed to find a backstory on uh, the Witch of uh, Scrap Faggot Green. Um, A couple of hundred years ago, in the Essex village of Great Lees, a witch named Anne Hughes, we have a name now, Anne Hughes, was burned at the stake for the crime of bewitching her husband to death. Denied a Christian burial, her charred remains were buried at a place known as Scrap Faggot Green and a large stone was placed on top to mark the site. Still greatly feared, Anne's resting place remained undisturbed for the next two or three centuries. During World War II, however, the road that passed by the green needed to be widened in order to accommodate the new Boreham airfield. The work was not as careful as it should have been, and bulldozers displaced the stone, something that would have serious repercussions. Strange events began to be reported soon afterwards. The bells of a local church rang at midnight with no one there to make them. Sheep were found out of their fields with no sign of how they got there. Strange noises were heard in the night. Painting supplies were moved from one room to another by unseen hands. Haystacks were blown around without wind. Scaffolding poles were scattered about a yard in an impossible fashion. Reputable folk, who were known for their level-headedness and taking no nonsense, were reporting these and other fantastical things, and the strangeness of great leaves showed no sign of Everton. In desperation, Harry Price, the distinguished paranormal expert, was called in. The cause of the disturbances was glaringly apparent to this seasoned investigator, and he diagnosed a poltergeist, angered by the moving of the stone. The situation was thankfully simple. Following Price's advice, the stone was placed in its original position, and the remains of the witch buried with due ceremony in the local churchyard. From that point on, the inhabitants of Great Lees and nearby villages were disturbed no more. The witch once again at rest, as she remains to this day. Although this is the basic legend of the witch's stone of Great Lees, there are many variations of facts that both help and hinder when trying to unpick the fascinating tale. 
The most obvious place to start is the attempt to ascertain the identity of the witch in question. It was indeed an Anne Hughes or Hughes accused of witchcraft. On the 12th of March, 1621, Anne was before the Chelmsford Lent session of the Essex Assizes on the following indictments. Anne Hughes of Great Lees, widow, on the 24th of June, 1615, at Great Lees, bewitched John Archer, who languished until 24th of June following, when he died. She was also guilty of bewitching Thomas Mead and Margaret Bright, both of whom were wasted and consumed, and who continued in that sorry state at the time Anne came to court. On top of that, Anne had also bewitched to death a cow belonging to Richard Edwards that was valued at £3. It would seem a clear-cut case uh, and that our witch had been found, apart from two rather important details. Firstly, despite a hugely popular misconception, English witches were very, very seldom burned. In fact, there are only one or two verifiable cases throughout the entire period of the witch trials where a witch went to the flames. And then it was for the crime of petty treason, killing her husband rather than for witchcraft itself. And perhaps the most pertinent to this case, Anne Hughes was acquitted. As with the case of Anne Wagg of Ickleston in Derbyshire in 1650, modern sources delight in repeating how Hughes was hanged for her crimes. However, a perusal of the parish registers for Great Lees revealed that in December 1669, Anne Hughes' widow was buried. Although Anne is therefore ruled out as the witch behind the disturbances, there is, however, another potential candidate. Elizabeth Brooke of Great Lees was accused of witchcraft several decades previous, brought before the Chelmsford Assizes on the 2nd of March, 1584. Her crime had taken place in 1587, and in that year she was said to have been guilty of murdering Margaret Cleveland, wife of John Cleveland, by witchcraft. Elizabeth was also indicted for bewitching six cows and six horses belonging to James Holmstead, a cow, five heifers and four hogs that were worth £10 belonging to James Spilman, two cows and two mares worth £5 of Thomas Cornish, and some sows of George Feitches that were worth 40 shillings. All of the above animals died. Not as fortunate as Anne Hughes, Elizabeth Brooke, who confessed to the second of the charges against her, was found guilty under the 1563 Witchcraft Act which stated categorically that murder by witchcraft was a capital offence and was condemned to die by the noose. It is highly probable that these two witches became conflated over, to, convoluted over time in local telling, and that the ever-popular witch trial tropes of fire and husband murder were added for good measure as the legend developed over the years that followed. Witches were known to be vengeful, spiteful creatures, and that one would return from the grave to wreak havoc on the descendants of her neighbours would have been easily believable both to their contemporaries and down to their present day. What of the stone itself? Sources such as they are, are decidedly vague on not only the location of the stone, but also what happened to it. Stones have been mentioned in relation to St Anne's Castle, a local pub that is also said to be haunted by the ghost of Anne Hughes, Borough Airfield itself, and the aforementioned scrap fag at Green. Over the years, it has become increasingly difficult to determine which stone was the original and where it had originally been located. Intriguingly, and perhaps most pertinent to the known facts, there is mention of a stone marking the place where an unlucky gamekeeper was murdered in Duke's Wood, resting to the south of Great Lees and Borum. 
The wood had cleared to make way for the building of the airfield in 1943, and it's possible that the airfield, the story of a moved stone, and a local witch will further merge together over time. Although the story has been much repeated sources, from the time these events were supposed to have occurred are scant indeed. None of the local papers seem to have reported the strange events or the reinterment of the supposed remains. A curious state of affairs for something so newsworthy, the only known contemporary report was an article run by the Sunday Pictorial in October 1944 relating the strange events at Great Lees and attributing the phenomena to the scrap thag at Greenwich. There was also potentially a cartoon in an American magazine from around the same time that gave a humorous account of what was said to have taken place. Another source close to the witch, to, to the witch, another source close to the time was Harry Price, the ghost expert, who had aided with the diagnosis of the problem and replacement of the stone. Price was in fact the founder of the National Laboratory of, Psych of Physical Research. Sorry. Psych Psychical Research. The great nemesis of the medium, Helen Duncan and most famed for his investigations into the hauntings at Borley Rectory. In his own account of what, what took place, Price was less forthcoming than he is often attributed to be, and in his 1945 publication Poltergeist Over England states that the villagers declare that their misfortunes dated from the day when American bulldozers widened the road at Scrap Faggot Green, the centre of the village, thus displacing a two-ton stone that marked the remains of a 17th century witch who had been buried with a stake through her chest at the crossroads there, they asked me what they had better do about it. I told them that if they believed the witch to be responsible for their troubles, the logical thing to do was to restore her tombstone to its original site. This they did, ceremonially, at midnight on October 11th to the 12th, placing the stone east and west in the traditional manner. The phenomena ceased. That real events were cobbled together in the public imagination both at the time and in the years that followed seems the most likely background of this compelling story with witches and stones woven inextricably into the fabric of the history and folklore of Essex, and ripe for the picking. As for the strange events reported in Great Leeds themselves, however, things are less clear-cut. Did things really happen as reported, with haystacks demolished and bells ringing unbidden? Or is there a simple explanation? For along with the believers, there are those who maintain that the strange happenings were nothing more than villagers having a joke at the expense of a too-trusting reporter from a Sunday pictorial, in this telling, the supposedly incredulous locals and the Witch of Scrap Faggot Green have the last laugh after all. You know what, living in Essex and being quite interested in history and folklore and stories of witches, I'm quite amazed that I've never come across this story before. Um, and considering it's, you know, not the 1940s as well, yeah, I, I'm amazed that it's not come up. You know, we had, like, the Enfield Hauntings, which wasn't that long ago, 1960s, I want to say, that that's very well recorded and well documented. Um, and then recently we've had the, Baltasie, uh, the, the Battersea Poltergeist, which fantastic Danny Roberts has done an excellent BBC uh, podcast on. Um, that was around about the 19... Was that around about the 1950s? So, yeah, there's there's some kind of some interesting times and interesting that this um, wasn't one that is uh, well-documented as such. Um, 
but yeah, I think it's something we should uh, we should pitch to Netflix. See if we can get a nice movie made about it. Um, it's, it's unbelievable. There's all, there's actually books about it on Amazon, so I may have to get one myself and uh, read up a bit more about the folklore of it. But I hope you've enjoyed today's episode about the witch of uh, Scrap Faggot Green, and uh, yeah, feel free to do some research yourself and see if you find anything interesting. Uh, and until then, uh, don't have nightmares.